Welcome back to the Master of None podcast, where we go 365 days, bringing you a podcast every single day. Nothing is off the table. The intention of this podcast is to master the short form podcast, as well as informing, as well as entertaining. So sit back, relax, and listen, and enjoy the show. Welcome back to the Master of None, and tonight we have an interesting episode for you. Now, if you're not familiar with the show, I cover a lot of stuff like this, and I kind of provide some analysis and do a little bit of a deep dive to just give a open analysis or point of view. And I think sometimes there's a lot of information, and, it's, and you try to cut through it and understand it. And I think probably one of the, the interesting stories that are coming out is there's been a lot of whistleblowers, and it has to do with the legislation that was passed that allows people to come forth and talk about what they've experienced. Now, we've had whistleblowers like David Fravor talk about the Tic Tac. We've had David Grush come out and talk about what he's seen in secondary source, identifying the information that there is potential craft. Well, there's been another whistleblower in the saga, and this one has such a different story. And it's one that is compelling at the same time is absolutely terrifying. I'm talking about Marine Michael Herrera. So if you're not familiar with Michael Herrera's story, it's one that is probably, it's not like any story we've heard thus far from a whistleblower. He was in fact a Marine and he is, I'm going to go ahead and play a clip of him kind of providing a little information about his background. Thank you all for being here. Um, what I'm about to tell you hasn't been something that I've disclosed until recently in the help of Dr. Greer, among other people, so I appreciate your help with this. In 2009, we were, my unit, which was uh, most degraded infantry battalion in the entire Marine Corps, which was 2nd Battalion, 5th Marines, was called in to do humanitarian assistance operations out in the Philippines, which was Operation Ketsana which we were attached to the 31st Marine Expeditionary Unit, which conducts maritime operations. So whenever you hear a story, it starts off really normal. He was a Marine. You heard it right there back in 2019. And they were doing a lot of humanitarian assistance. Now, at the time, what happened is there was a colossal earthquake that took place in Indonesia around 2009. So whenever we look at this earthquake, what's really important to understand is it took place September 2nd, 2019, local time. Um, and it was in West Java, Indonesia. The magnitude was a seven-point earthquake that killed at least 81 people, injured about, um, it's saying, 1,200, and displaced over 200,000, including more 140. So it was a rather large earthquake. And whenever you're getting this story, what's happening is he was a Marine and he was actually called to this earthquake to conduct humanitarian missions because within Indonesia, there is a lot of Islamic terrorist organizations working. And remember, this would have been in 2009, so there would have been a heightened um, awareness for these types of um, hum humanitarian aid missions and potential the fact that maybe a Islamic group could actually take the aid. So if you can imagine during this time what's happening is they are being briefed and they're actually going to go in and do humanitarian aid they were called randomly enough, I think they were on the USS Denver, and it sent them in. Now, what he's saying within it is potentially there could have been Obama's family members there. And with that being said, you know, Indonesia at that time was considered a very, very 
you know, heavy organization, potential terrorism. So as he's on mission there, he's he's doing what he's doing in humanitarian aid. And I just listened to some of his podcasts on the SRS podcast, episode 66. I would suggest everyone to go check it out. I think it's the Sean Ramsey podcast. And it was a really um, interesting hearing what he was saying. Now, I'm going to go ahead and play just kind of the, the heart of what was being articulated because it's about an hour and a half podcast but i really want to get into some some key areas within this interview so i think before i just want to kind of lay this out is during this time what happened is michael was on deployment and he was actually not deployment he was on a humanitarian mission and as he was on this mission he was practice he was protecting the helos dropping aid just providing cover potential cover just kind of like a security detail if you will um I'm not necessarily a default, but just just covering it just in case anything happened. And then what happened is him and about eight guys went over a mountain area. And what they did is they started to notice an odd ship and it looked like to be a UFO. And I'm kind of speeding it up because I really want to get to the key point of the podcast. So if you haven't listened to it, go listen to it and Google it. But what's interesting is he's been silent for 14 years on this. He's coming out right now, and he's kind of providing it because of the Whistleblower Act, and he's having a little bit more protection. And what's happening is is there's more of a normalization as it relates to UFOs. So what happened is what he was saying is he went there, and he saw this UFO, and he got close to about 200 meters of the UFO, and there he, ended up in, he started to interact with some type of highly trained potential military force, he said they spoke English, the American dialect. They um, talked similar. They were saying things that he would say as if he was in the military. Um, interesting points about it is they knew where his military ID was, which I guess on the military um, uniform it's different. I'm sorry, on the Marine Corps uniform it's different. And from there, they had a conversation. And it just it's really interesting. And he said that as he was watching it, and I'm not doing the interview any justice, so I'd really suggest listening to it. But I'm just trying to get you enough information to get to the point that I'm trying to get to. He noticed a concrete platform, and within that concrete platform, he noticed that there was actually some type of containers being loaded on to this, this UFO spaceship. And at the time, he thought it was actually narcotics. And I'm actually going to play a blip from the SRS podcast where he's talking about specifically what this is. And I'm not going to give any detail. I know a little bit about him, but he works in some of these projects at a very, um, some very controversial facilities. He's aware of what was going on. After I gave my presentation of this, he confirmed, he says, no, he's like, I don't want to leave Michael hanging out there, but I was not expecting to come and talk to you about this. And he went explaining what the operations do, why they do it, and what they were using them for. And he says, there's not drugs that they're putting in these shipping containers. He says it's humans. Human trafficking. Yes. His own words. And, he, you know, of course. And he also wants to come forward, at least uh, with him and 30 other people that are involved with that part of the work. Um, but it was very disheartening to actually get that information relayed to me. Because here I'm thinking for years it's drugs and it's a much sinister thing. But it makes sense because they use natural disasters that people are going to be missing anyway. Yeah. It, that's... Scoop up people. 
I mean, I just, uh, I've been covering human trafficking this year. Right. And that's, you know, a lot of the human trafficking comes from third world countries in distress. You're in a third world area. Yep. In distress right after a hearth, right after an earthquake would be, I mean, it's prime. Yeah. Prime time to, to do a human trafficking operation. Right. How big were the containers? Uh, I would say probably eight feet and 10 feet. Eight feet tall, ten feet within. So, like maybe half a Connex box. Yeah, about that. Okay. And they were kind of like on a, the trailer that was. Man, like that is such a bombshell. Okay, so I really want to peel, kind of give some overview of what I think about Michael as a witness. First of all, whenever you hear him talk, you can tell he really knows his stuff. He was a very squared away marine, if you will, because of. Of his ability to recall, he can he can give you and paint really good pictures of of what was happening. Um, his subject knowledge of, of of his career as a soldier, you can tell, or a marine. I'm sorry, was very very detailed. His ability to go through different acronyms, understanding different firing positions, understanding potentially what this ship could be, looking at different tones. I mean, you're really having a a military point of view whenever you're hearing this story, which makes it really, really fascinating because of how he's able to identify other individuals who were affiliated with the military. Now, whenever we get into the human trafficking aspect of it, this is where this story gets really, really interesting. I think that human trafficking is something that is that is becoming more aware, and I haven't listened to the full episode of the podcast I got to around that point and I was like I'm going to start to transition to making this episode and then I'll get into the second part tomorrow but if human trafficking is going on and they're using earthquakes and natural disasters I read you the numbers it would be something that would be really really easy to do because there's so much pandemonium and chaos and if you really were in that situation think about it you're all of a sudden the United States is there. They see people helping individuals. They load them up in these containers and they potentially take them and put them in these UFO spaceships. Well, that's why human trafficking happens so much. And I know saying that it sounds so crazy, but listening to his interview up to this point, I mean, he sounds like a credible witness. And if this is truly the story of what's happening, it really makes you wonder what potentially is going on. Is there humans in the spaceship operating it, or is it potential other extraterrestrial individuals? We don't know. Or is it Americans, you know, this is what this is being used for as it relates to reverse engineering the technology. Now, the story is something that I really think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to provide some more analysis on tomorrow, but I really wanted to get into the environment of thinking about it in in providing insight into what this could be i mean when i heard it i just i can't even really truly process it it just sounds crazy saying out loud so the fact that he's been able to sit on this for 14 years then provide this analysis now is interesting and if people are saying why now it's because of the legislation for the whistleblowing act everything i've been covering in this episode breaking down ufo whistleblowers breaking down these conversations and determining what's going on in a lot of ways, if this is something that's happening within within the United States apparatus, I can guarantee you a lot of senators and congressmen more than likely don't know about it. Well, what makes Michael Hernandez so interesting, too, is he was able to give Congress 
an intelligence classified briefing. And that's where he's talking about the individual he met in that blurb. Well, if he's going through a classified briefing and providing us information, I think probably if we're looking at him at this point, and we're trying to determine him as a source, we would ask, why have other people in the unit not started talking? That's, a, that's if you're trying to be like, well, you think there'd be multiple people coming through and telling the story if, in fact, they were observing a UFO spaceship with affiliated with the U.S. government doing human trafficking. I think that would be the story everybody in the unit would want to tell. So that's one thing to keep in mind, too. It's like, you know, where are the other witnesses? And three, you know, we just have him. And so is he another piece in the puzzle? Is there situations like this going on? Are they government organization programs that we don't know about that the majority of the government doesn't know about? And are these potential government contractors um, operating and doing things, these defense contractors, and in, in, in providing new spaceships that are being created? I think those are the questions I really have as it relates to listening to this. But even saying it out loud, it just sounds very, very crazy and out there. But his ability to provide information, his ability to give you context is really clear very spot on so i think there's gonna be a lot more of this i'm gonna go ahead and cut this podcast a little bit short tonight and i will provide you guys a little bit longer analysis tomorrow of this interview i just kind of wanted to prep you as we get into it so thank you so much for listening and we'll get back to you tomorrow